catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. I'm not the one you knew. I'm now and then combined. I'm asking you to have an open mind. I'm not the same this time around. I'm fired up. Don't shut me down. I still have faith. <laughs> I still have faith in you. That's the song. It's from the album Voyage. And it's ABBA. Yes, this is Tony's Tech Side. Welcome. If you did not understand all I just said now, well, let's just get on the ride. We'll learn a tech word today. We'll dig deep into the rubbles of history and find the precious jewels of knowledge to launch us into the future. And then share the most important and juiciest tech stories impacting Africa to keep you informed. You can share your stories with the rest of us on WhatsApp. Text or send a voice note on 0913-558-1766. Please add plus 234 if you're texting from outside Nigeria. So, let's... You know, dig deep into the rubbles of history today to find precious jewels. And I would just do like the two very important for this week from, say, the 14th till like the 17th of August 2023. And two stand out for me, yeah? The two are Microsoft introducing Internet Explorer, which at the time was a modified version of Spyglass Mosaic. Um, which uh, Microsoft had licensed later when Microsoft began including Internet Explorer for free with Windows, Spyglass, and Microsoft for, you know, I take it. So later when Microsoft began including Internet Explorer for free with Windows, Spyglass sued Microsoft, yes, for not paying what they felt were the proper royalties. And then Microsoft settled for $8 million in 1990. Like in the 1990s, literally. And on August 17, 1982, The Visitors by ABBA became the first globally commercial music compact disc that CD manufactured, pressed in Langenhagen, Germany by Polygram Records. It's a subsidiary of Royal Philips Electronics. Philips and Sony co-developed the CD standard. CD, yeah, compact disc, yes, which was designed to be the successor to the phonograph the phonograph yeah the phonograph record by the time the cd went on sale in november of that year about 150 titles had been produced so the visitors by abba was the first world's first commercial music cd yeah which was manufactured and pressed in germany by polygram records and polygram records was a subsidiary of royal philips electronics to think that philips electronics is actually still i did a lot of growing up with philips electronics yes and just in case you didn't catch it, when I started, what I started out with was a, a, a sentence or some lyrics from Abba's Voyage, from the album Voyage. And the song was, I still have faith in you. And I said, it's, I'm not the one you knew. I'm now and then combined. I'm asking you to have an open mind. I'm not the same this time around. I'm fired up. Shut me down. Just like some poetry around it, by the way, just in case you didn't notice. Yeah. So ABBA, for those who do not know ABBA, who have never heard of the word ABBA before, ABBA is Swedish, yeah? Um, formerly named Bjorn and Benny, Agneta and Annie Fred, or Bjorn and Benny, Agneta and Frida. They're a Swedish super group that formed in Stockholm in 1972 by Agneta Falskog 
Beyond All Virus, Benny Anderson and Annie Fred Linkster. The group's name is an acronym of the first letters of their first names arranged as a palindrome. I said it. These guys are very poetic. Trust me. Their lines, their lyrics, too good, guy. You need to listen to some ABBA. So, A-B-B-A. That's it. Yeah, Agneta first. Yeah, B being Beyond and the other B being Benny. And then the last A or the second A being Annie, like Annie Fred. Yeah? and palindrome you can say it backward or say you know forward it's still the same thing it's still a b b a forward a b b a backward still the same that's what a palindrome if you spell it backward or forward you still spell the same thing so you've learned like multiple things they already yes i learned a palindrome uh, not with the word abba but something else they're one of the most popular and successful music music groups or musical groups of all time actually very successful in terms of you know how people listen to them how popular they are um, the period when they reigned and the fact that almost everyone knew Abba. God, my dad. <laughs> everyone literally that grew up that time. My, my dad knows Abba. I know Abba. I know people who their parents knew Abba. They know Abba. And they're also one of the best-selling music acts in the history of popular music. Topping the charts worldwide from 1974 to 1982 and then in 2022. So just a little fact to throw in. Just something to throw in. Um, they also were the first non-English speaking to do, you know, to like win like big and top the charts in major English speaking countries like the, you know, the UK and, and, and others alike. So that's just one thing, digging deep into the, into the rubbles of history to find really precious gold. And as I said, one of their songs um, was the first to be globally first commercial, you know, CD, yeah, manufactured, CD manufactured. And then afterwards, you know, we all now started using cds we all grew up in a world where we used cds like again and again and again and again and again well today i will be in this episode bringing you an extra like a thursday throwback thursday remembering one african music artist and uh the amount of work that the person has done and how much they've actually contributed to the current afrobeat and popular music from africa so on throwback thursday a throwback thursday star music star or just star of the week is nelly uzona edith uchendu born 1950 and died april 2005 nigerian singer composer and actress revered revered for modernizing traditional evil folk music and she rose to prominence upon the release of her 1976 love song oh, okay let's just call it a song because the name of the song is love one which earned her the lady with the golden voice sobriquet she released six lp recordings during her career born in aguata umuchu aguata in anambra state which is a southeastern nigeria she started singing at an early age and joined professor sonny oti's music group under which she flourished using her vocals god her vocals are great in 1976 her music career shot to limelight following the release of the homsey sound produced classic titled love one tinti that's of the wlp composition love one tinti and then went on to release waka akabu was a mama house then that really established her in the music industry in nigeria different different songs under you know including Igbo, high life pop and gospel music she did in like the later part of her career 
She also performed outside Nigeria, yeah, most notably performing in London uh, alongside Sawara and Oriental Brothers in the 1980s. In 1986, remarkably so, she appeared as Ikebe Funa's mother in the NTA Networks, that's the Nigeria Television Authority's Networks, televised version of Things Fall Apart, yes. And then later as Tony's mother in the 1994 Nollywood movie Neck of the Pretty Serpent. Yes, and I think she also sang uh, the Ikemefuna song. Yeah, she's like, I think yeah, that's that's her voice. And yep, she was Ikemefuna's mother. And uh, well, some loves, some some songs to her credits would be the 1976 Love Wanting T, Mama, Mama Aosa of 1978, Akabwezi of 1977, I Believe of 1979, Ogadele Gemma of 1982, and a host of other hits. Yes, hits as at that time. Yep, in recognition of her contributions, she received the MON, Member of the Order of the Niger, by former President Shehu Shagari of Nigeria in 1980. She composed, yes, she composed uh, the Ikemefuna song used as a soundtrack in the 1980s film adaptation of Chinachibi's Things Fall Apart. Yes, I remember that. And then she died in April 2005, on the 12th of April, in a hospital in Enugu, reported cancer related illness. She was 55 when she died, very young, I must say. And do you know? The most shocking thing is when I was when I was searching for her, I I couldn't really remember Nelly Uchendo. I know Nelly Uchendo, but I couldn't really remember it at that time. The only thing I could remember then was love wanting tea, love. Da, da, da. Yes, that's what I, I could remember. And I searched for love wanting tea, and shockingly, do you know what I found? CK's love wanting tea. What? What in heaven's name? Okay, so I grew up knowing that Love Wanting Tea was... It had a female voice to it. When I saw CK, I was like, no, this has to be wrong. This cannot be Wikipedia leading me astray. And then I realized that, yes, CK went berserk. Like, straight up berserk globally when Love Wanting Tea, the remix actually was released. Because, so, Love Wanting Tea is a song by CK. He's a Nigerian singer, songwriter... It was released in 2019. Yes, that was the song that kept everyone on their feet in the during the pandemic. Yes, it was a dance challenge to it, for that matter. The second track from his second extended play, um, the EP CK the First by Chalk City and through Warner Music Group, the Love One TT music video. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that one. Yes. Oh my God! Every day I woke up, every video I see, uh, I'm like the next thing. Uh, like no way. So it was released in 2020, um, 14th of February 2020, and directed by Naya Officials. It broke the internet, literally. Became the first Afrobeats music video to surpass 300 million views on YouTube. And then there was another one, North, a North African remix, yeah, which did 34 million views one month after it released on YouTube. There was another one, the acoustic version. That one did 220 million views on YouTube. One song alone, different times. The same thing, doing like almost one <laughs> totally crazy. The dance routine too, yeah, created by the TikToker Tracy Joseph, is being used in several videos by people participating in the Love Wanting Tea hashtag challenge, and it was one of the biggest like global challenges of 2020 that particular pandemic. And to think that you can actually be big and still bring forward something that's going to be big, 
Nelu Uchendun's love one titi was like for a generation. CK's love one titi was for another generation. You do not, you can be big and I'll be big. I will do literally the same though. Well, the sky is wide for everyone to free seat and free lie down. As of tw- December 2021, Love One TT was the most certified Afrobeat song. Um, it also became the second song by a Nigerian artist to debut on the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard Global 200 after Essence. Yes, you heard it. So, I am given the flowers, so her flowers, yeah, to Nelly Uchendu. And for actually birthing the Love One Tinti by CK, which became a global phenomenon too. Till now, I remember then I would see that, oh, the song broke. There was a challenge. The video broke. There was another challenge. And the challenge, like, even became more popular than the song. And people remixed and remixed and remixed. And did remixes of the challenge and another remix of the challenge of the challenge. Oh, it was crazy. So, flowers actually to Nelly Uchendu. And also, big ups to CK for bringing back the love one tinty that you know we, when i saw love ones i thought it was gonna be like the other one but it was it just gave a totally new dimension to it and that's almost the same thing nelly uchendu did giving a total new dimension to traditional Igbo folk music and songs it's really really crazy yeah so our word for today is framework framework frame like a frame on the wall and then work like i go to work framework it's a platform for developing software applications like when you are a carpenter for example and you work on a table right that is where you do your carpentry work so that's like the platform that's like the table right it provides a foundation for software developers to build programs for specific platforms so you say oh on this table i'm building a table or a chair or something yeah that's you're building it on this and you know you're building a table right for another table like it's it's just a platform just something you can start to build on exactly like the foundation yes in a framework there are predefined classes and functions that are used to process users inputs interact with files and programs that make up your computer's operating system as well as manage hardware devices now these classes and functions are used to process inputs interact with files and programs that make up the computer's operating system as well as manage hardware devices some examples of frameworks are react.js Coco for Mac Operating System X, Django for Web, ASP.NET Core for Web, Laravel, AngularJS, Ruby on Rails, Coco Touch for iOS, and a software development kit or SDK is SDK software development kit, just in case you didn't notice. It's also available for each of these frameworks, right? So a software development kit is available for in any of these frameworks. Um, you know that i've just talked about the software development kits includes uh, programming tools designed specifically for the corresponding frameworks and our word of today was defined and brought to us by wamu jafeth chinon so yep so we take another word every episode that we have yeah every episode we take a word we learn a tech word so today if you hear someone a software developer anyone at all in the tech space using the word platform framework rather framework just understand that it's that foundational platform that's used you know when we're developing any other thing right anything else that would help things work that's exactly what a framework is so they're like oh the framework and you know you have an idea of what these frameworks like the popular names you know that you hear and say oh yeah oh that framework yeah just throw the word around use it don't misuse it but use it as often as you can and don't let anybody bamboozle you again 
Yes, so these are the stories that are rocking the continent of Africa in terms of tech. These are the stories. Let's start in Ethiopia, yeah, where Safaricom Ethiopia launched its mobile money platform Mpesa on August 16th. And it continues to challenge incumbent state-owned operator Ethio Telecom. Although Ethio Telecom is actually doing fine in terms of how much they're actually putting in. But still, Safaricom in Ethiopia is doing a very great job. The service went live on Wednesday. And this is like three months after receiving the payment instruction issue license from the National Bank of Ethiopia. The operator went live with its mobile money service. And in the past three months, Safaricom completed tests, secured key partnerships with banks, and recruited Mpesa agents for today's for the launch, which was on the 16th of August. Yeah, the service is available in seven other African countries: DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, Egypt, Ghana, Kenya, Lesotho, Mozambique, and Tanzania. And over 51 million customers have signed up to Mpesa. In Kenya, the interim general manager of Safaricom Mpesa Mobile Financial Services, Paul Kavavu, said Mpesa connected 90% of their adult population to mobile banking. That's one thing, one big thing the whole world had to learn from Kenya and from Eastern Africa. Yes, according to the CEO, you know, in interim position, standing in Jeroge, they will continue to broaden the services uh, that the customers of Mpesa receive and improve the quality. Uh-huh. And straight up also to Jumia. Yes. <laughs> well, Jumia is still really like on the long road to profitability as the company's second quarter financial report showed a reduction in losses, the lowest reported in four years. Three years ago, I said, will Jumia survive it? Because the losses were really hitting the roof. But then like two years down the line i'm talking about dreamia again and i'm saying this is the lowest that they've reported in terms of losses in four years its operating losses slowed down to 23.3 million dollars thanks to a massive reduction in sales and and advert expenses so people just go they don't need to really advertise for you to come on dreamia although they're still doing a lot of adverts though but then it's like more people are saying oh if you want to get it get it on dreamia something like that this is not an advert for them so while dreamia spent 22.2 million dollars on advertising in q2 2022 it spent only 5.8 million in Q2 2023. Its general and administrative expenses and tech expenses were no uh, were also lower um, compared to the Q2 2022 numbers. The numbers look kind of good. It looks like it's a long road, but it looks like it's consistent, it's steady, and it's not taking a nosedive. It's actually looking up and looking good. Yep. Jumia was affected by worsening macroeconomic conditions in Nigeria, which is one of its biggest markets. Yeah, Nigeria's inflation rate has remained at above 20% throughout the year, driven by higher food prices, critical but you know complex reforms, you know, removal of subs, full subsidies, you know, that has put a strain on purchasing power of consumers, so they're not really buying. And there's no rush, like the energy, the sugar rush to get things yeah to buy things and the struggles are not just in nigeria alone they are way beyond nigeria ghana's inflation rate hit 43 percent egypt's rose to around 35 percent across all of jumia's market the average inflation has been over 10 percent that's like 14 percent and depreciation also you know in nine of its 10 markets through the difficulty of its you know goal of moving towards profitability but i think if these countries do like like a good job managing this it would actually be it would actually help and Jimmy might just be on the way to start making profits. Overall, 
you know, figuring out profitability during one of the worst, you know, economic periods hang heavily on the company's neck. And it's been on their head for like five years now. And last year, 2022, Jimmy overhauled its board and the co-CEO is Jeremy Hodara and Sasha Poignonek stepped down as a company, renewed its focus on profitability. And one more would be MTN. I've taken three big guys now. That is Safaricom, Jumia, and now MTN. Yes, MTN has been in the news for pretty good things. Aside the one where it's announced its losses kind of in Nigeria. And it wasn't just it. It was like all the big companies, including the Dangotes, they recorded some kind of loss. But mastercard has agreed to buy stake in mtn's 5.2 billion dollar fintech called momo yes mtn group revealed recently that it wants to add three more investors to momo it's fintech um the announcement came you know a day after you know it sealed a deal with payments processor mastercard mastercard getting its hand dirty in fintech yes uh, when I see fintech, I can't have fintech. Well, telecom and fintech because they also, you know, have like a similar arrangement with Airtel too. While shedding light on, you know, MTN's next move um, based on this deal, the CEO of MTN, Ralph Mutipa, said they're open to selling a maximum of 30%. So that's what they're going to do. 30% of Momo. Yes, that fintech business. Um, He said that it would take three or four investors to actualize the goal. And seeing that MTN has already taken MasterCard, like MasterCard is already in the bag. So it means we're looking at three more likely investors to complete the 30%, that slice or that valuation. Yeah, Momo currently serves over 46 million customers across 21 markets in both Africa and the Middle East. And MasterCard's investment alongside that of the other parties could unlock many growth opportunities for Momo. It's worth noting that MasterCard acquiring a very minor stake of MTN's financial services vertical follows another deal with Airtel last week. Yes, the agreement between the payments processor and Airtel was to enable the, the customers of Airtel yeah, to transfer funds across Africa. Cross-border payments are big, like a very big issue. Um, considering the fact that AFCFT is a thing that we've all been talking about for a while now. And I know there is a meeting happening uh, in Abuja um, for the continent, the AU, um, AFCFT related and, and other things. So I just hope that we can keep making the best of these meetings. And these kind of partnerships are the kind of partnerships that we want to see. It's like the big guys, the big and the big guys coming together to make the world a little bit easier or moving their might, right? Bringing their might together to move the world. That's exactly what is happening with MasterCard and MTN coming together. MasterCard and Airtel and ensuring that everybody's just plugging in partnerships and collaborations, just plugging in. See, people say it's lonely at the top, but they say if you go fast, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, then maybe you should consider collaborations and you should also consider partnerships. Well, we move straight up to Nigeria where... The <laughs> Well, the ministerial list dropped on 16th, yes, 16th of August, 16th of August 2023 by the President Bola Ahmed Tinubu, which has gone through the House of Assembly screening, yeah, and there was a lot of drama with that, but this year, 2023, the drama wasn't very loud and big, it, it didn't trend for days, right, because I think there were other things that, you know, just took you know the minds of people some persons you know kind of like trended but it wasn't like as it used to be then it was going to be a full-blown trend table dedicated to the ministerial list in nigeria nonetheless something that's really interesting in tech space to note is that we're getting a lot more 
people who are within the tech space getting recognized and given political appointments. Now, for me, there are two issues we will talk about. But first of all, congratulations to Bosun Tijani, new Minister of Communications, Innovation and Digital Economy in Nigeria. He has contributed to the growth of the Nigerian tech ecosystem, particularly through his activities as CC Hub. God, before I entered tech, before I came, like before I like really got into tech, God, every everybody knows CC Hub because everything literally happened at City Hub. Everything. Oh, where we met at CC Hub? Where we met at CC Hub? When we had a meeting? Where we're going? And then I went for a program at CC Hub. Like everyone literally just points back to it. And from like way back, not now. Now we have like a lot of hubs in Lagos, you know. And everyone talks about different kind of hubs. But CC Hub was like the hub, <laughs> exactly. Now, he'll be expected to deliver the next level of innovation that the ecosystem requires. I'm talking about the fact, thinking about the fact that it's someone who's actually grown with other people in the tech ecosystem, especially the Lagos tech ecosystem. It's really, really important to see what comes out of this particular ministerial appointment and what the next four years holds for Nigeria in terms of communications, innovation, and especially digital economy, which Nigeria planned, but that by 2025 is going to change the face of the country in terms of how much is going to be adding to the GDP of the country, how much in terms of employment, employment is going to bring in, and especially remittances to that is going to be contributing to the country. At least the country would have have something it can sell i remember the online backer saying nigeria does not have anything it wants to sell that's why we're having the whole issues with you know fx and whatnot now the list released by the presidency also confirmed that wali edu will be the minister of finance and coordinating minister of the economy if you're in lagos or if you're in the the african tech space you would know these names ordinarily now moving on i would not share my issues now i will leave those two issues i talked about till like the end of this episode and then i'll let you know what those two issues are first is you know, proper just generally, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And the second is, well, I think we may have some ethical issues here to deal with. Notwithstanding, Amazon Web Services, AWS, has launched its first African Skills Center in Cape Town, South Africa, to remove the barriers to cloud skill training. It's the first time it's happening. And yes, well, it's news. And something that's also news, which broke and we're all like, what? Did this really happen? Well, the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner, ODPC, has ordered the parent company Tools for Humanity, the parent company for, you know, Sam Altman's crypto startup WorldCoin, to stop collecting personal data. The news broke that, oh, are you going to actually give your iris information for $50? $50 is like... $50 is like 50,000 naira, yeah, in Nigeria currently. And a lot of people are saying, Wait, what are you? <laughs> Waiting the IDC before? No, be shaggy IDC. I'm <laughs> give me 50k. Make I not send a 50k where I call it for the shaggy. At least the shaggy will be say, I see. Well, the ODPC in May 2023 instructed the crypto startup to stop iris scans and collection of facial recognition and other personal data in Kenya. And this letter was sent to WorldCoin and it was seen by TechCrunch. Well, Tools for Humanity, which is the parent uh, company building WorldCoin, did not stop taking biometric data until early in the month of August, when the Kenya's Ministry of Interior and Administration, a much more powerful entity, right, suspended it following its official launch. Now, people were saying, oh, why didn't this thing launch in Nigeria? I remember that. And people, we asked people, we were like, oh, yeah, 50k. Ah, why not? Now, I, <laughs> I will give my fingerprint, give my iris skin, give my my hair my hair prints give my body prints give all my prints because i know the kukuma is the prince do anything before i collect the money and move on but in well in nigeria like crypto related activities are frowned upon for now until a new 
um, you know, you know, regulations or regulatory statement is made. But in Kenya, beautiful, it's thriving. There's a thriving space for crypto there. And WorldCoin's official launch led to a spike in number of people queuing up to have their eyeballs scanned in exchange for free, in quotes, free money. And this drew the atten- attention of the authorities. It was big news. Um, on a group that we're on, a community, um, you know, there were people who were dropping address. They're like, this is the address. And it was like, oh, I've been there for what, two days, three days. You know, I couldn't really get it done. I had to leave and whatnot. Well, some it may look like there's an issue here because if the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner um, in Kenya in May told the parent company Tools for Humanity to not like stop collecting personal data in Kenya, and they did not stop. I know they didn't stop. I know they were still collecting data because, of course, I knew. Like, the group people came in and said, yes, you know, they said they could, they did that thing and they got the money. So, and the money I'm talking of, like, in cryptocurrency. So, it's not like they'll give you, like, the cash. There's, there's, there's not that much cash going around, bro. So, but then this is a major issue because if they did that that time and now like it is just now that they stopped then we may actually have a lot of issues with the data they already collected and the fact that we don't exactly have a very great framework policy framework when it comes to privacy yeah and data being managed management of data on a continent i think I, I think we need to actually sit down and talk about this thing and talk about the ethical issues also involved in not just biometric data but any kind of data collection and data management system that has to go on yes i get the fact that there is that f- free money that everyone has to talk about but come on this will put a spotlight or is currently putting a spotlight on the ethics of data extraction and the claims that cryptocurrency can banish global wealth disparities i don't know about that although Worldcoin and what they've come with you know their proposition is really great saying oh we're not attaching it to anyone's current data like your fingerprint or anything else we're just creating a new a totally new one but so how do we know how you're going to use it how do we know how it's going to be used what are you going to use it for how much will people be paid for it all of those things nobody has any idea and i should have a say as to what my money is going to be used for what my data is going to be used for if it's going to give you two times the money you're getting from me like how much am i getting if i want to tell you pull out that data i don't want that data anymore will it still be stored somewhere else all of those questions and yesterday i also <laughs> i actually also found something on dress.ai or undressapp.ai is an app that you can use to undress somebody like ai undress the person it's called deep fake it's not you're not actually undressing a person in real life but the computer kind of gets gives you an idea of what the person's body features may look like when they are undressed that's what it does so just imagine that everyone submits their picture no let's not get into it guys (laughs) you may think that you're being paid big money now to submit some kind of free data but trust me there is no free lunch in freetown as we've heard over and over and over again the only thing that can make you a proper ogaranya like a proper big man is if you actually have total and full control and if every time anybody uses your data, you understand to the full extent how it's going to be used, that's the only time you can actually say, yes, you are an Ogaranya. Google Search is rolling out additional generative AI features in its AI-powered search experience dubbed Search Generative Experience SGE, 
Well, so they're just a set of new updates that would include AI summaries while browsing long-form content, coding improvements, and definitions of unfamiliar words within AI-generated responses. So the Google AI-powered search, uh, you know, is introducing additional coding capabilities, AI summaries on articles, and whatnot. According to Google, the new upgrades or these updates or features will help you better. Uh, learn better and make sense of information on the web so you don't just see something and you're like oh can you help me and it just gives you a summary this is a i think i already have started seeing things like that it just gives you a summary of that very long article it just helps you make quicker not just better but quicker and better sense of the information on the web in a blog post by google they explain that the new feature um, updates will help you understand complicated concepts boost your coding skills yeah and preview definitions of unfamiliar terms in a topic also google is reportedly working on a feature that would allow you to link your android devices together once they have logged into the same google account yeah so this new android feature will allow you to enjoy features such as call switching as well as internet sharing between android devices the call switching feature will allow you to easily switch between your linked android devices to manage your phone calls now call switching should work maybe similarly to the apple's call continuity and that feature that allows you to make and receive phone calls from your mac or your ipad when those devices are on the same network as your iphone However, Android Authority says that, you know, this continuity feature does not allow users to receive calls from another iPhone. So we're not sure yet if Google's call switching will allow you to manage phone calls across your linked devices, including phones. Um, But then based on what we hear, the internet sharing feature will provide an easier way to set up and use a personal hotspot across all your linked devices. And let's switch over now to WhatsApp talking news from social media. Mm Mm-hmm. WhatsApp is currently testing a new feature that will allow you to create and share AI-generated stickers. According to Wabeta Info, the feature is currently limited to select beta testers with a wider rollout expected in the coming weeks. This will allow you to generate stickers based on a text description similar to how the popular image generation AI models like OpenAI's DALI works. The generative model will create images based on a, your text prompt. So if you say blah, 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 whatever you type, whatever you t- type as text, those are the kind of you know stickers or images that it would create. Now, these AI sticker features is powered by Meta's technology. It's accessible if you want to get it when it's available to you. You just go to sticker the sticker tab on your WhatsApp keyboard. Yeah, you would find a create button. Then it can give a text description of a personalized image and it would just bring out the AI you know, generated sticker for you based on the prompt that you've given. And then you can now share the preferred sticker in your chat. So this is you creating your own stickers in real time and using. So all those meme lords, them, that usually say, oh, they generate this. They say, oh, my life does not depend on you anymore. <laughs> oh, yes, my happiness too doesn't depend on you anymore. Still talking meta, actually. Well, this time, not Meta, but the rival threads. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Well, one month after the launch of threads, data from similar web shows that the usage has plummeted. Yes, internet traffic analysis site similar web said that daily active users on the Instagram's uh, siblings Android app 
um, declined from a peak of 49.3 million on the 7th of July 2023 to 10.3 million on the 7th of August. And uh, that's like almost 80% drop. In the US, where threads had among the highest engagement in the early days, users dropped off from 2.3 million peak to 570 something thousand over the same period. The average amount of time uh, the daily active users spent on the app also kind of like plummeted or nosedived globally. It started at around 14 minutes, but by 7th of August, it was down to just three minutes. The graphs um that i saw from similar web you can also look it up you know like you it's it's open it's information that's in the open you know kind of like the rise and the fall of the user users and usage within the first month but then do they actually have what meta has okay meta has what it takes to make you know not x now but threads whatever they want to make threads to be because even the number of users we saw on the first day shows that Meta actually has the power to make threads whatever threads can be, yeah? Whatever threads want to be. So that's just that's just it. 100 million signups four days after its launch, both Android and iOS users, it's totally, like, it's bonkers, clearly, right? And it's not even available in Europe, yeah? Because of the privacy laws in Europe. But then it still went berserk yes if meta if you want to make threads a thing you can just ensure that you do it like the right way the ethical way but i think you can we'll still keep checking we'll i'll keep tabs on that to see how x and threads are faring before or at the end of the year 2023 now finally the last story which is something i think is really important is summer so in an interview with the bbc uh, summer has said that in hindsight, they should not have taken the job they took with Facebook. Yes, because there are legal cases now against Sama through the Kenyan courts. And um, Wendy Gonzalez said that Sama would no longer take work involving moderating harmful content because everyone thought that this was the major thing that was keeping Sama alive. But she said this is just just about four percent you know of you know what they do literally and it's now what they now know them as do you understand the people who work with facebook to moderate content and also the kind of content that they you know harmful content which a lot of their employees say harmed their mental health is also something that is an evolving conversation so if we don't if we human beings don't moderate what we like we put content moderation on internet who will do it for us maybe ai i don't know should ai moderate the content of human beings or should human beings moderate the content of human beings or should human beings put in frameworks in place for content moderation it's a conversation that is happening currently it's not a conversation that will happen in the future it's something that's already before us now because we're generating content yes at the click of a button or at the snap of a finger and even even like millions of content at the snap of a finger if someone is pressing send but who's moderating this content who's saying this content should go to this kind of viewers and not this kind of viewers protecting the females um protecting the children and you know and, and you know those who shouldn't be seeing some certain kind of content that's like you know something i haven't also figured it out i don't know i don't have any thoughts about it so if you have some thoughts about it at a tech radio on instagram at africa tech radio on twitter and on facebook you can also put a comment wherever you listen to this podcast episode from just put a comment there and let us know what you think now finally 
as I wrap up this episode, my thoughts on, yes, tech people and politics. I think tech people should be involved in politics. Everybody should be involved in politics because there's even politics in tech. Like you're in your tech firm, you're in your tech startup, you're where there, there's politics for you to move and make laws to be passed on behalf of, you know, things you're doing. And, you know, on behalf of the tech ecosystem, you have, there is politicking to, that, that goes into it, right? But should you be involved in active politicking, you know, get appointments, get a, um, a role in government, a political appointment, I think it's it's good, it's fine, it's okay, it's proper because if a businessman like Dangote, you know, or Tony Elumelu, Nigerian, and maybe that an Injoroge, you know, of Kenya can actually if they can, you know, get appointments, why can't you if you're in tech? You can get appointments. Now, because we all live in a society and society is shared by everybody, I think it's important to note that we should set put things in place to ensure that that clash of interest yeah doesn't really happen so we don't have a minister of technology whose tech firm or tech startup is leading you know every other person in tech ecosystem and then we have him as the minister so literally everything is going to be done through his own tech startup oh everyone might be fine with it right but it's not supposed to be the norm it's not supposed to happen even if that person is a good person it's not really about the person it's ensuring that those things are set in place so there just there's no clash of interest whatsoever business and you know that doesn't come you know, they don't clash and then everything should be for the greater good of the people because just imagine that you're the one who's there or you're the one who's not there yes what will happen in that instance when you're the one who's there or when you're the one who is not there on that note i sign out thank you very much yes this is tony's Texai. this is also tony's Texai streams every weekday from 9 a.m to midday on www.africatechradio live stream yep and then the episodes are made available you know on demand on various platform um, streaming platforms from spotify to um, google podcast apple podcast and the like stitcher podbean and the rest so hit us up on instagram yes follow up slide into our dms let us know what you think if there's something you think is really important, we need to talk about that in the tech space. If you want us to talk to you, you're in the tech space, please hit us up and let us know what you're doing in your space. This is a space for the whole continent, for tech. It's never happened before. First of its kind, we are on the radio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.